And especially you see this a lot in your retrospectives of, hey, here are my expected outcomes that I want. And you're driving the team to get to these expected outcomes. But sometimes, especially as a facilitator, you have to remember to stay neutral, right? Because you have to be able to allow that team to grow, to understand, to be able to see exactly what's ahead of them. Because what you may think is an issue may not necessarily be an issue for somebody else. Welcome to the Product Agility Podcast, the missing link between Agile and Product. The purpose of this podcast is to share practical tips, strategies, and stories from world-class thought leaders and practitioners. Why, I hear you ask. Well, I want to increase your knowledge and your motivation to experiment so that together we can create ever more successful products. My name is Ben Maynard, and I'm your host. What has driven me for the last decade to bridge the gap between agility and product is a deep-rooted belief that people and products evolving together can achieve mutual excellence. And in this episode, we are joined by C.P. Richardson. Now, C.P. Richardson is one of the loveliest human beings that I think I've had on the podcast. At some point during this episode, we actually became friends. Uh, let me know if you can tell the moment when it happened. Now, C.P. Richardson is the co-chair of Agile in Colour. Agile in Colour is an initiative whose goal is to increase the development opportunities for people of colour in the Agile community. So he's an awesome person with a good heart. And this initiative of Agile and Colour is something that I can truly get behind and help promote. C.P. Richardson is also an accreditor for IC Agile. So if you ever considered having any of their courses, product Agile or otherwise accredited, then C.P. gives you some useful tips and insights into this during this episode. And last, but by no means least, he is also Portfolio Delivery Manager, lead no less, for ARCXP. ARCXP is a really interesting platform slash product that was spun out of the Washington Post as a consequence of Jeff Bezos taking over a number of years ago. But more on that on a few episodes time. Before we begin, just have one favour to ask. If you have any friends you think would enjoy this episode or any other episodes, who knows what golden nuggets they will find, then please just recommend it to one person. Doing that helps me grow the podcast and helps me entice ever more popular and noteworthy guests. So anyway, thank you for listening to this and let's get into it, shall we? Hello, everybody. It's nice to have you back. Today, I am joined by somebody who I have the privilege to say has thoroughly examined my work when it comes to IC Agile courses. He's very thorough. His name is, and I'm going to read it as it says on LinkedIn, Christopher C.P. Richardson, uh, known for the, uh, being the chaser of unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> or not <laughs> not it depends, it depends on the, it depends on the scenario it depends on the scenario yeah because sometimes chasing unicorns is fine like it's permitted other, <laughs> other times time. yeah other times. Like, like, like national parks they don't take kindly no, trying to no, lasso no, a unicorn. they don't i got a talking to from park ranger about that one time it was needless to say i don't do it again yeah no i don't I, i'm kind of joking i've been in national parks since i was there with um I'm not, gonna make a yogi, I'm not going to make a yogi bear joke. Let's move on. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, hey, I mean, I mean, smarter than the average bear. I get it. Like, trust me, we're, I'm picking up what you put down. <laughs> uh, I'm already, I'm already loving this. Right. So we were going to talk about, I suppose, initially because we've got you here for a couple of episodes at least, and we met when myself and a man called uh, John Spruce had created an IC Agile facility tour course and you were our he looks down to his notes his uh, IC agile accreditor yes for the for the course but not for me and john as capable instructors 
before that happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah. I was so I can be there for that one because I'm sure y'all are y'all are fantastic. Anyway, I'm sure. Ah, well, thank you very much. Yes, yes, we are. And uh, <laughs> although I think it's changed back now, I think you can get accredited. You can get the course accredited, and you can get accredited as an instructor. Yeah, if, if I am not mistaken, um, starting in 2023, um, if you are doing a course through IC Agile, and again. I want to make sure I get this right. This is tentative of you talking to IC Agile to verify my information because I know mm-hmm. they would kill me if I get it wrong. Um, if you're doing a course and um, you're the person who put the course materials together, um, you can do your course accreditation along with your instructor. And it makes that process a lot more seamless. So then you're not doing a, hey, I'm doing this entire course. I put all the work in. And now I have to do my three hours with my course reviewer, get certified in that, and then have to turn around and do it yeah. as a separate instructor experience. Yeah. We're just trying to make it a little bit more seamless for folks. That's no, good. I think that's what it used to be like. And then they changed mm-hmm. it. And then they changed it when I met you. And then me and John had what I've heard. John, not so much, because John's a little bit less grumpy than I am, but I had a real proper moan about it. <laughs> um, you, are not, you are not the only ones who have had it. But again, we're, <laughs> we're, again and, that, and that's the beautiful thing about agility, right? You, you're learning, yeah. you're experiencing, and you're doing things differently to see what fits for your client or customer yeah. base. So, yeah. no, it's great. It's great. The feedback we listen to, changes have been made. And yeah, but without what to make, it's not an advert for IC Agile. I am not affiliated other than delivering some of their accredited courses. Uh, I don't know why I'm putting that disclaimer and it's my podcast. I can do what I like, but I thought I'd make that clear. But the one thing I do love about IC Agile is that they come up with solid learning outcomes and then they allow you reasonable carte blanche as long as you're competent to deliver those and meet those in the way that you see fit. And I think that's one of the, one of the very enticing things for me. And I, yeah, so we're going to be, well, I am working on uh, the Lean Portfolio Management course, which by the time this podcast goes out, it's probably going to be accredited and it's been a joy i always enjoy that process um and i also cp i enjoyed the process of being um having our coursework frisked by you um so but cp before we go into too much yeah. talk about facilitation which is a topic on this one would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of an introduction to your good self yeah for sure um so as they mentioned earlier my name is uh christopher cp richardson everybody calls me cp if you see me out uh, out and about either in a conference space, speaking space, or just on LinkedIn, because apparently I had a post that was featured on LinkedIn here recently for a all thing. Yeah, no, it was it was not the type of post that I wanted featured. It was about layoffs, and it was me basically griping about companies in general. So like, it was all posts, guys, not the post yeah. I wanted that. But anyways, yes. Um, my name is C.P. Richardson. Um, I currently I work at the Washington Post, specifically within the division called ArcXP. ArcXP is specifically a cloud-native digital platform experience, so DXP, that helps enterprise companies, brands, and media organizations create and distribute content, deliver commerce solutions, and deliver powerful multi-channel experiences. That's a lot of cool stuff to say, hey, we're a CMS platform tool that helps deliver a customized experience for you. So whether you are um, your, whether you're the Washington Post or whether you're the another news organization, not just news organizations, but internal companies, you can use our CMS platform to create an experience that is custom for you and delivers the results that you want to. And the neat thing about it is, is that we have a very, very broad, a very, very wide um, customer base with uh, 2000 different sites and 20 is supported in 25 different countries and ever expanding. So which is a really cool thing. If you ever get an opportunity to see an example, 
a site that I worked on, which is actually called SweetExchange.com, which is sponsored by the Golden, which is used by the Golden State Warriors. So it's one of the coolest projects I got to work on, and I still don't have sweet seats, and I'm still mad about it. And I let people know very regularly that I want sweet seats as much as many times as I can through the Golden State Warriors. Maybe one day I'll uh, get some sweet seats. If not, just courtside. I'm okay. I'm not. I am not complaining. Courtside or sweets. I'm okay with it. <laughs> That was a very professional sales pitch. I kind of feel like I want to sign up. <laughs> it is it's pretty rad. Right. But um, one of the things um, also that I do, as Ben mentioned earlier, is I also am a course um, and instructor, I'm a creditor for IC Agile. So if you were looking to put together course materials, or if you are looking to um, build, uh, be an authorized instructor for um, IC Agile, um, you will come to somebody like me. We will... Um, review materials, or we will listen to you uh, deliver materials, and we will give you the thumbs up uh, when you are good to go to deliver those course materials, and you can be an authorized um, course developer or instructor. Um, we strongly encourage everybody to, if you're interested in teaching, or if you're interested in building your own course that gives you the freedom to build it how you want to, and as Ben mentioned earlier, you have specific learning objectives that you have to hit, but you can build it however you want to, come to us, and we will get you squared away. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a nice little model. I have to admit, pains me to say it. <laughs> um, are you allowed, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you allowed to then go like freelance and say like, if you're interested in building a course, then you can pay me this much money and I'll make, and I'll help you go through the process. As long as you don't mind that I could offer those additional consultancy services. See, I'm going to say, I'm going to say like this. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> Are you sure, man? I am 1,000% sure? positive. You know what? Uh, I like what I do, and I want to keep doing those things. Yeah, I think that was I mean, right answer. Right answer. You, know, you don't want to no, undermine the whole bloody thing, surely, if you're there. Oh, kind see, of giving one, thing, one thing I will say, though, if you do have questions about like just the process in general, the, you can always send mess, shoot a message to team at icagile.com. Um, and they will be able to get you uh, squared away and be able to answer any of those questions. Also, you can reach out to me, um, and I'll be able to at least point you in the right direction for those types of questions at Christopher at ICIagile.com, and we'll be able to get you squared away. Because if it's not me, because all of our instructors, all of our, co- our course or, or instructor authors, uh, authorizers or the entire team will be able to get you squared away. So mm. though it may not be for me, I can at least point you in the right direction. But yeah, definitely not. It's definitely not a pay for play situation because again, I like <laughs> what I do, and uh, yeah, I would like to keep doing it. Yeah, and I am. I'm in no way inferring that that's the uh, that that's the case. <laughs> well, thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not even going to make a joke <laughs> about enough. it because it's just dangerous territory. So, yes. how come you got so good at facilitation that somebody came to you and said? Do you want to come and be an accredited, an accreditor for IC Agile? What was your journey, your facilitation journey, facilitator journey? You know, and when you when you say that, a lot of times, like when people say, like, "OMG, CP, you are great at this." I am so bad at taking compliments because I feel that my journey is always continuous. Always continuous, right? Because I don't think I'm ever actually good at that, and I'm not sure that. Because of upbringing, whether that's playing sports as a kid or whatever, but like for me, is that there's always room for improvement. Um, 
So I don't necessarily think of myself as good. I think of myself as just like just enough to be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for some context on my background, like through my experiences as a scrum master um, at Capital One, a large financial organization, to a small, um, another SaaS company called Snag and Job, which is focused on hourly employees and the hiring management and work management system for them. Um, there are tons of opportunities to work in a ton of different fields, working on massively different types of projects and each team experienced something different, right? So you may come in with one solution as a coach, as a scrum master, whatever the situation is, right? And you're stepping in and especially you see this a lot in your retrospectives of, hey, here are my expected outcomes that I want. And you're driving the team to get to these expected outcomes. But sometimes, especially as a facilitator, you have to remember to stay neutral, right? Because you have to be able to allow that team to grow, to understand, to be able to see exactly what's ahead of them. Because what you may think is an issue may not necessarily be an issue for somebody else. And just through those experiences, a lot of times, that's where you get really good and really sharp at um, being a facilitator. Because you can see you can see the conflict happening. And I do a lot of hand gestures a lot of times. So I'm trying my best not to do this. Um, you wave them around like you just don't care, man. It's fun. <laughs> You see a lot. You see a lot of com- you see a lot of conflict. So like that, that divergent thinking, especially if yeah. you're a facilitator, you, you you see it happening real time. And it wasn't until like you see enough of these types of situations where you're like, okay, this type of friction or conflict is okay. But the thing mm-hmm. is, especially as a facilitator, you can't get it let get it so wide that you run out of that you run out of um, time in your time box and mm-hmm. have to bring them back together. And so again, into that convergent point where they can yeah. then make a decision. And move forward again those types of scenarios it's through experience and i think mm-hmm. what i have learned i mean i guess what other people saw in me is my ability just to allow people just to sometimes bit and allow them to express exactly what's going on what's happening but also be able to bring them back together mm-hmm. uh, whether that's again through my time at capital one or at or at snag a job or at they consulting for a, a few months until COVID happened or even at my time at the Washington Post. Again, those techniques, regardless if you're a coach or a scrum master or a director or a VP, whatever, those types of skills are key and important. And even when you're um, in the, the course accreditation courses, right? Like there are many oftentimes where you, Ben or John, have like an idea of how you want to do it, right? And I want you all, and you may have noticed, or you may have not noticed this, is that I allow, I'll provide that feedback, but I'll ask you, like, what do you think? Like, is, is that, does this feedback feel appropriate? Does it make sense? Because again, my perspective may be different and I don't want to come off as, as a, as an authorizer saying, well, you have to do it this way because, mm. and then again, another plug for IC Agile and our courses is that you get to build a course however you want to. If you feel that you're meeting the need and you can express that you're meeting the need, by all means, absolutely go for it. Because again, that's what makes sense. So allow you to um, see where your um, differences are and then converge and then move forward with the decision. I said a whole bunch of that. Hopefully that makes sense. If not, I'm sure you're asking clarifying questions. Yeah, there's a few points to pick up on. One, I enjoyed our session when we got together and did the course accreditation. But, you know, did chat a lot of shit. Did get distracted by various things. That we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think maybe good things. Good, again, good things. Good, by. good things. Good things. But yeah, and yeah, it was, it was a nice way to spend a Sunday evening. I have to say, as, 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 as odd as that sounds when I say it out loud, but yeah, it was yeah. it was enjoyable. 
It was enjoyable. Oh, I'm happy that it was. It was. Well, mate, you wouldn't fucking be here, would you, if I didn't enjoy it? <laughs> Trust me, I'm pretty sure I would hear something like, man, why do I have to now go through this thing? And this guy has no clue. Yeah. I'm sure you would have told me probably right then in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you haven't seen Shane Hastie on the podcast, have you? No, I haven't no. invited him on because I don't like him. Mm. Fun fact of the day. No, not actually true. I do really like him, um, but we just we ha- we haven't been able to find it. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, um, okay. Ben Ben's got real. Um, no, no. I, I really like him. I really like him. I, we just really we tried to find a time, but guy, it was just like because of my diary and his diary and him living in New Zealand and traveling around. It's like trying to nail jelly to a wall. Um, so if. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a classic good. It's a good. Um, so Shane, if you're listening, hopefully by now we would have booked some time in. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a note and, and chase him up because I can't, I can't wait to get Shane on. My first, yeah, I, I think he's, he's a legend. Um, so the point about saying is that yes, you do, you did do a, do a good job at getting us back into what we would call, I suppose, the uh, convergent zone. And I got to thinking about what you were saying about the you know, diverge and converge. And I, I, first of all, my mind fell to the work of Sam Kainer in participatory decision-making, mm-hmm. talking about the convergence zone, which is when the options, the ideas, the thoughts are running wild. And it's about kind of letting that happen when it's a non-routine problem to solve and then having the skills and the, the mindset and the, and the will and the energy to then taken from that kind of convergent air zone into the diver, um, divergent into convergence. So you're bringing people together and mm-hmm. kind of getting over that bit in the middle called the grown zone, which maybe we can talk about in a bit more depth. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of flipped in my head and I recalled, well, when I was researching what knowledge workers are, and I don't, I, mean, I don't know which came first, but when you look at some of the explanations of knowledge working, they say it is about uh, divergent and convergent thinking. You know, it's about going away on your own and thinking about stuff and then getting together with people and you're thinking about stuff and it diverging, but it's about finding a way to converge it. So there is this magical thing, because then you look at specification by example, which again is about divergent and convergent. And there's a magical thing about this idea of us kind of getting broader and then narrowing in. But I've said I've never really thought about that deeply. I mean, it sounds good enough that people just accept it, right? Yeah. But I've never really thought about what is the what's going on there from a human behavior or from a neuroscience perspective that kind of makes that so effective. You know, and and, and, and there are people who are so much smarter than me that that know, that know these different like knows exactly what's going on from a from a human perspective. Um, my experience has always been that everybody has an amazing idea. Folks who want to move forward and do the best that they possibly can, right? Um, one great phrase that I've, that I've learned throughout my career that um, I, I try, I try my best to to use in all situations is um, there are no bad dogs, right? Assume positive intent. Those those mm-hmm. scenarios, right? That everybody in, in those situations um, wants to do the best they can possibly do, but a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, but a lot of times, unless you have the biggest platform microphone, soapbox, whatever that you euphemism you want to use in those types of scenarios, um, a lot of times it don't get it doesn't get hurt and you run into a scenario where I have this great idea but nobody's gonna listen to me about it. So then it just I just rather just sit back and be quiet again into that mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier into that crone zone. And um, 
I think that's the part that where you make your buck, especially as a facilitator, is in those techniques, again, with the book you just mentioned that I have up here. I'm not going to embarrass myself and pull it out because I have it right next, right next to me. Um, if I bend like that, then if I, sorry for the people listening, I'm bending around and groaning because my, <laughs> because my back aches. And just to show that I can't reach the bookshelf, which is evidently clear if you're watching the video of this. Anyway, sorry. No, no, you're, no you're fine. Um, but I think that's where you, you make um, the most uh, and make your bank through buckets facilitator is to bring out those ideas that otherwise would go unheard. Because I think when you start to show people in that room that their opinion matters, they'll begin to open up more. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sounds ridiculously simple, but it's a hard technique to have because it's it's one thing to say, hey, my opinion doesn't matter. Or oh, that person in the room is that my opinion doesn't matter. Um, and that's very easy surface level that some people may may see, especially as a facilitator. But as a facilitator, you have to keep in mind, not just uh, those people who are quiet, but maybe there are different personality styles. Maybe some folks want to listen to the entire scenario before giving the feedback. So you have to be able to understand and pick up on those cues and pick up on those senses and be able to say, okay, maybe it's not them not wanting to contribute. Is maybe that their style is, let me hear all of the ideas in the room. Let me uh, make sense of it and then put together my best um, solution or best idea from that point. So mm. again, as a facilitator, you have to be able to, to, to be able to discern that during those conversations. And again, that's not, that's not easy. And as coaches, as scrum masters, it is a skill that you're going to not be excellent at, and you've got to practice regularly, like with anything else. And until mm-hmm. you do that, and until you practice it regularly, you're not going to be as good as you can be. Not saying that folks aren't good, because like, as I mentioned earlier, like, I don't even feel like I'm good at it. I feel like I know just enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Well, let's, let's pick up on this this idea. I subscribe to this idea. About that in any given situation, everyone's trying their best. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, I agree with that. However, it is a bit of a what do they call it? A bit of a motherhood, motherhood and apple pie statement. You know, it's one of those things that we wheel out and we say. But I'm guessing that actually, if you like some more uh, pessimistic, frustrated people pick that apart and basically say that's a load of rubbish, right? Because look, that person clearly isn't doing their best. But I think that they are. And when I try and rationalize this in my mind, I think best is relative. You know, if you are, um, like, I don't know, on a good day, I can bend right round and I can touch that thing over there behind me. Mm-hmm. Today isn't a good day. I ache because I was mucking around on a pull-up bar and did too much. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, honestly, that's the problem. I, I hit 40, I bought a pull-up bar, and I use it, and now I've hurt my back. So today, my best is half of what it would be in two days' time. You sound, you sound, you sound like me on pretty much every day I come back from the gym. So yeah, yeah, we, there we you all go. experience it. Yeah, and so my best on a day when, I, when I'm, I'm limber and nothing's aching is a, a, a light year apart from my best on a day when I'm aching and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I think that people need to understand when we're talking about this is that best is relative to what that person's living through in that moment. Mm. And if they're sitting down and they're disengaged and they just don't care, right, that is them 
trying their best, but just trying their best just to kind of switch off because this is not the thing they want to engage in right now. They haven't yep. got the headspace for that. So it's, yep. and I think this is a really important thing that I've, I, I, I think I and other people, we gloss over too much. Oh, easy. Easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because I was listening to it because I'm over here thinking like, ah, that's a good thought. So I'm over here capturing notes myself. I'm like, ah, that's a good point that he's making. So I apologize. I didn't want to cut you off, but you were still going. No. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, mate. No, not at all. Over to you. I'm interviewing you. Okay. Well, uh, well, again, it's a dialogue and a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, is, that, is so, that is so true because like what I wrote down here, and this is something that I have to remind myself also, especially with my other colleagues that I work with on a regular basis. Um, is it gives yourself or give other people in the room grace. Because as you mentioned, we're not always going to be 100%. And I think, especially in times today, which unfortunately where people are getting laid off left and right, there is such a significant impact, not just on, let's say, somebody's performance, um, but also on their, their mental capacity, just they like to compute things to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very often that um, in situations like this, the natural human reaction is to just buckle down, say a couple of, say your little like, you know, book on, on LinkedIn of like, oh, I am, it's so unfortunate that Microsoft, Google, Capital One, and all these people are like laying off. Let me go back and do my job because that's how some folks process these things, right? Mm. But it's okay to say, you know what? There's a lot that's happening. I'm not in a good space right now. So like, for example, my former employer and, and like, and I'll probably will not get hired for this after I say this, and that's okay, I'm fine with that, um, is that Capital One laid off literally their entire Agile job family mm. last week. So Scrum Masters, coaches, portfolio delivery managers, oh, well, not portfolio, but like release train engineers, that entire job family got dropped. And I think to myself, because I was in that situation at one time, if I would have stayed at Capital One, a company at that point in time, I was there for seven and a half years for, if I would have mm. stayed there, I would have been included in that drop. Right. Yeah. So for me, I'm on the outside looking in, knowing that there are so many great colleagues that I have worked with in my career that have taught me so much. And to see them like that, like it's nothing. Hearing stories about people who got hired this year and two weeks later <laughs> got laid off. Those like those types of experience, it's difficult. And then I have to hear these stories. I'm getting texts from people like, oh my God, this happened to me. And now I have to now go into a meeting with some execs. How do you even begin to like manage and deal with those types of scenarios? And so like what you were saying resonated with me so, so, uh, so much because in those types of situations, yes, I want to give my best. I'm not mentally there, man. I'm just mm-hmm. not. Right. And so I have to give myself some grace and say, you know what? Today just ain't happening. And that's okay expressing yeah. that to people, telling folks that, being comfortable to be able to tell folks that because that's a whole other scenario of like psychological safety that we can talk about at another time, which is a great topic. But just in this moment, just to tell yourself, hey man, it's okay, it's fine. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself right now. Mm-hmm. Is and, and that's what's most important. In those types of scenarios, again, and bringing it back to facilitation, <laughs> It's, it's such a full-time job, man. You have to be able to do these things. You have to be able to see these scenarios, situations, and things of that nature to, to be able to, to effectively hold space 
for others in that room. And mm -hmm. so like, I can't even begin to imagine like what folks over at Capital One are going to do when the product owner and that um, the dev leads or developers are going to run into conflict. You got nobody in that room who can facilitate that conflict. Yeah, it's not saying that teams won't be able to do it. And I, I am 1000% confident we have some, they, not we, they have some really yeah. great developers and really great folks in that organization, but it's going to be a rough patch for a long time. And I, if, if, if executives are seeing this, because then I know your podcast reaches millions and millions and millions, I would say that decision was a very, not the best. It was, a, as some people would say, as I've learned, is a career limiting decision. Mm. <laughs> That's how I would say. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, not yeah. Let's, let's spend a moment talking about it, and we'll get back, come back to facilitation. I'll, I'll weave us back in there, but I mean, it's just such a just a huge sweeping decision to make. I mean, what what organization is robust enough just to Thanos an entire role family? You know, like that. That just seems really extreme like someone's had a really bad day and then if how can i make myself feel better oh no i'll be an absolute shit to 1100 people that's how i make myself better i mean i'm not saying that's what happened i'm yeah, just yeah. speculating but and, i mean and like yeah yeah you don't think that it's, it's that kind of sorry it's just crazy it's just i, I, just, I just can't get my head around it like i can't you know to, to make to like it's 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 sad and it's terrible right and it's affected too many people but what happens to lead you to make a decision like that so, so again all of this is without insider knowledge to the people who are making a decision so put that nice yeah. thing on there this is always speculation at the end, oh, yeah right and again this is the linkedin post that i got featured on by the way yeah i mentioned very because i was just like it makes no sense i literally said this it makes no sense why they're getting rid of a job family like this and then again, LinkedIn was like, your post has been featured on oh. this. I'm like, ah, oh, great, fantastic. Oh. So, so once we get hired after this podcast, definitely not getting hired. No, I, 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 think, I think that ship sailed that a little a while ago. Long, long <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, but um, I, what Capital One always promoted is that we are a financial organization that's that's really a tech company. So think of your like your SoFi hmm. financials, that type of scenario, right? And when you look at a lot of uh, other tech organizations, such as the Amazons, the Microsofts, the Googles, all of those different types of organizations, they never had that role specifically for somebody who would do that, mm -hmm. right? So you had you had program managers that did some of that stuff, but still they were like focused on like large initiatives that cross multiple teams. Um, but when you have a company who claims to be a tech company, um, they is not just like what they're doing is not the technologies that they use. It's the, the roster of associates that they have and the disciplines and things that they practice. Mm -hmm. And when you compare one to one, that role doesn't exist at these major tech companies, these fortune 500, fortune 100 companies. So for capital one, I guess my assumption is, is that if we're a tech company. This is part of like that transition for us to make sure that we are, we're getting to that level. Mm -hmm. And, I can see that that's their reasoning behind it. And it's, it's always funny because if you um, are ever on blind.com, which is like the site that associates use to like post anonymous stuff about the company. So 
they can complain and not be like on Slack or like. Ah, I've, I've not heard of that before. That's interesting. Ooh, it is. It is fun. It is fun um, to be on like one of those um, sites. But what you see, uh, because also there's a like a specific if you log in with your email and verify through your email, yeah, you can actually get to like a very specific uh, sub um, focus like based off your company. Anyways, yeah, you see a lot of times. And I, this is how I think I can weave this back in facilitation. So let's see oh. how this works. Um, is a lot of times the associates, especially developers, because developers would complain about like, what does my at the time agile delivery do? They don't do anything. They complain. They make us do a whole bunch mm-hmm. of other different stuff that we are not asking to do or we don't want to do. And like they get paid way too much. Again, a bunch of people were griping about it. And this is all prior the the change layoff and then there's a sudden shift of oh my god what are we going to do without our agile delivery leads what are we going to do without our scrum masters coaches all there's so much process there's so much that they do there's so much value that they bring to the organization i can't see us even succeeding as an organization in doing this and it's like Y'all were just a few weeks ago complaining that they didn't do anything. Now you see the value that they bring. Yeah. And now everybody's like, oh, snap, what are we going to do? But it, that's, the same, that's the same exact thing that you see in every organization. And that's what kind of sinks because I think it's just such a, especially with facilitation, it's such an underrated skill. And if you do it really well, people sometimes don't really notice. They're just like, hey, we're used to having conflict on our team and that's okay, but we're able to work through it. But you're only able to work through it if you have somebody who's in that room and kind of like helping be the, be the referee during, mm-hmm. during that conflict and bringing people together. And it's, again, I don't see a person who's going to fill that role at that company. And if you are a company who's considering doing something similar, I would take a second to pause and think about asking, ask some folks, what does your scrum masters, coaches, release training engineers do to make sure that the wheels keep mm-hmm. spinning. So, I did. And that's one of the those curious things. I think facilitation is one of the most underrated skills and uh, practices that we have in in life. And when I would say, go on limb here, I would say that, that great facilitation, I mean, good facilitation beats a lot of coaching. I think that coaching individuals mm-hmm. in a team environment, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, sure, that helps individuals, but won't necessarily help team performance. If you look at team coaching and you design an activity and you want people to go through that activity, then you're going to be facilitating as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when people when there's conflict, you're not going to sit them down and have a coach conversation with them. You're going to try and help them through the conversation. You're going to facilitate it. You're not going to bring in your, you know, you're not going to come in and say, oh, well, you know, you just didn't follow the agile principle properly or, or get involved yeah, in yeah. some other way. You know, I think facilitation is such a really powerful tool that I, I think, when it happens and it's effort and it seems effortless for people, people don't realize what that person is bringing, mm-hmm. you know, but then when that person isn't there, then they realize what they brought. Right. And then they turn around and say like, well, I, I, I can't replicate what that person was doing because I didn't even realize they were doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, it, it, it just, it just happens. Right. A lot of thinking that that's the beauty of it. Right. Like, this person is in this room, and I know it's very it's very annoying sometimes because like my, my developers that I've worked with in the past, I'll ask them like, "Well, what do you think?" Well, I asked you, I'm like, "Well, I have opinions, but you're the one who's seeing it day to day. You're going to have more expertise than I am. So, 
help, yeah. I can guide, give us some like guardrails and some guidelines to kind of help us along the journey. But I'm not the one who's going to be here to execute it. My yeah. thing is to keep you honest on that front and say, this is what we agreed to at the end. But it's a struggle a lot of times uh, when folks when folks don't realize that there's that person is no longer there. And again, as I mentioned in the very onset of this entire like sidebar, is that I feel that organizations, specifically Capital One, is going to struggle quite a bit because there's not going to be that person in the room that's going mm. to, to to help again bring folks together and move on and uh, make a decision point moving forward. Yeah, well, sadly, only time will tell, which is the shit thing about it, you know. It is. But if, any, if, any, if anybody, yeah. it's crap. It is crap. And if anyone has yeah, been affected by this and wants to talk, right, about opportunities or the market or whatever, then guess it's CPI, you're, you're open to people contacting you. I'm open to people oh, contact sure. me, yeah. you know. And um, I think I mentioned my email earlier yeah. at icagile.com. So please take the take the time, reach out to me, send me a message, whatever it is, whatever I can do. Even if it's not a hey, I have a job opportunity on my team today. Yeah. Um, at least I can. What I can do is point you in the right direction. I've been trying to do that with as many folks as I possibly can. So mm. if you have an opportunity for some message after agile release, whatever it is, please reach out to me so I can get that to other people. And uh, yeah, oh, I completely forgot. Um, also, I I know. This is what this is what happened when I'm like going down a, a rabbit hole. Um, also, Agile and Color is has coaching and mentorship, which folks don't may not know. Real quick sidebar: Agile and Color is a yeah. nonprofit organization that within the Agile community that's sponsored by the Agile Alliance that focuses on supporting um, um, black, specifically black Agiles, but Agiles of all different backgrounds, um, mm-hmm. whether it's coaching, training, mentorship, all the good jazz. So, if you want a mentor or a coach or just somebody to, to, to listen and listen to you vent about their frustrations, go to agileandcolor.org, mm-hmm. uh, click, um, drop your information in there and we will uh, get you at it and we'll get you connected to a coach or mentor or whatever services you may need. Is that a global offer? That is As in- That's an absolutely global. We have members on our core team who are in the US, in Canada, South America, and also in South Africa, so we have oh, nice. a global offer for everybody. I mean, I've I've spoken to a few. I don't know if they'd be interested in it, but um, a few brilliant people in Nigeria, like just yeah, just like different level, brilliant, it's, brilliant, yeah. like so skilled what they do. You know, so good. And I, I wonder if they would be interested in that. So I will put the details for that in, in the show notes and and, and promote it as well because it sounds like a a brilliant initiative and in fact it's global as well like just yeah. yeah what a thing to do what a thing to do um now talk about things to do um i'm looking at the time we're getting on a little bit but i'm gonna say let's uh let's let's make this one a little bit longer because there was something i wanted i wanted to sure. bring up about facilitation okay let's see how long this conversation goes on for <laughs> um lightning round almost like hmm let's see oh but there were this yeah yeah Let's see. They say lightning can't strike twice, but I think that maybe with us it might strike a few times. No, it hasn't struck once if you were talking to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, we spoke about facilitation and getting the, you know, helping people contribute and kind of getting the most out of the group. And I have been 
very interested over the years in this concept of in-groups and out-groups. Okay. Which is, you know, we, we like people or we are drawn to people that uh, we have something in common with or something that we agree on together. So the classic one is sports teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like I support team A, I think supporters of team B are all scum of the earth. I'm exaggerating, but it's that kind of thing. I mean, I, and, I don't know. We're talking about English Premier League, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I am a, um, I'm a product person. I think all those agile people are just crazy. I just don't get it. I'm a lean. We have, I, we have some characters. Yeah, like I'm, I'm totally into Kanban, Scrum. All those Scrum people do not have a clue what they're talking about, right? And this is the idea of in groups and out groups, and there's some great research on it, and we form it all the time everywhere. And yeah, you know, in groups are really important to us. Like our family is an in group, you know, and that's really important. And our friends are an in group. And I think some some of the times our role as a facilitator is to help blur the lines of the in groups and the out groups and create new in groups. So in your facilitation practice, have you ever been in situations where you can kind of see that there's an in-group and an out-group in the room and you've been able to bring them together in some way? And and how did you do that? Yeah. Um, so, firstly, thank you for the question. This is a very, like, an interview behavioral question. Great. Thank you for the question. But um, what you what you see a lot of times is, and, and actually this is a really good example, um, that if you are new to a team, you're automatically in that out-group scenario, right? So you have to now try mm. to ingratiate yourself um, into a team um, and making sure that uh, folks trust you because I think that's the most important thing that um, you need to have to be an effective facilitator. And a lot of times, like, in those types of scenarios, it's always, like, that good first either retrospective or that conflict that happens within that team that allows you to then be part of an in-group. Um, so that's, that's tremendously helpful. But I would kind of like bring it back a little bit because that's a scenario about myself. And I would like to like want to talk about a um, uh, team situation. So a lot of times um, you have, and this is always a great example because I know everybody sees, sees this, is that you have your developers that were there at the birth of the product. And they were the ones who wrote that first line of code. And they're the ones that understand what that random to do comment is. <laughs> like six years ago. <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, I still, still need to do that. And they've been through every read, different refactor. They have uh, changed from Java to Python and Java from Python to React. And Re- I like it's They've seen it all, right? <laughs> then, you have, then you have a new kid on the block who is using chat AI and GitHub Copilot to help write their unit tests. Which is really funny if you haven't used Chat AI. It is so cool to see. Um, and what I, a lot of times what you have to do is to um, find what some of those commonalities are. Of course, there's always like the common goal of like what my product does and what we are trying to accomplish, right? Those are, those are really easy. But a lot of times, especially if you're with some people, especially the, 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 the vets on the team, they're just like, ah, I've, I've seen it all, kid. You know, I've, I've mm-hmm. been there, done that. Um, but what I've found a lot of times, especially for your vets and for your, um, the new folks is to sometimes, and this is probably a little self-deprecation is to put yourself as the rallying point that everybody can rally around and say like, okay, 
either, and I put myself in very fun situations sometimes, like, hey, let's give, let's rat CP a little bit, or let's give him, you know, a little bit of a headache or whatever the situation is, right? If you can be like that commonality that people mm-hmm. can rally around, whether it's good or whether you want it to be good or positive, right? But like sometimes you can be like, hey, this is, you know, I'm gonna come up with like some random activity or just something that's just in general that every that you know everybody's just going to strongly dislike, right? <laughs> but you're doing it on purpose, right? Yeah. So like, okay, we're gonna do this whole kumbaya activity. You know, everybody in mom is just not gonna be down with this. That's okay too, because here's the thing again, this is really important about facilitation is you can see, feel, understand that it's not hitting. You can bring the bring it back to folks and say, okay, if you don't like this activity, and that's okay because I knew you probably would. What would you like to see? What would you like to change? What would you like to get better? Mm-hmm. What are the what are the the differences that you all see? Because sometimes a lot of those differences aren't really big divergent points. They're just more of, hey, here's a like maybe a, a disconnect with how things are doing. So what I have done is just use myself as that lightning rod, I guess, um, mm-hmm. for folks to. Uh, rally around and make uh, make myself as like a point that people can like start to create um, that that in group right and mm-hmm. then like it's all like all of us versus CP or whatever situation again in a very positive manner but I think yeah. whatever you can do to kind of help create commonalities in people is just going to be super effective because then when it gets down to the hey we are all in this together that's when you start to see the benefits. You start to see like the vets helping the new kids, the new kids showing new tech and new ways to approach um, things to the vets. And that's where you really start to see the positives come from that. I hope that makes sense. Please let me know that doesn't make sense. But yeah. No, I think it makes sense to me. I mean, what you're doing sounds like is quite a brave thing. And I'm going to make an aspersion here, which is you have to be reasonably confident in yourself to make yourself the the focus of the of I have that make yourself that lightning rod you know, give like create that common enemy for people to rally around even if it is in play you know I think you have to have a strong your strong relationships and pretty pretty comfortable in your own skin to take that level of risk it's, which I which, which which I love and I I, I, it, I think it's a nice approach it's 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 definitely tough right and I think I've only learned that through time right i've all i've mm-hmm. learned that because everybody has their different style and their different approach you have to figure out what works best for you and i think what i've learned a lot of times with me is that i'm fine with you giving me crap that's totally okay because at the end of the day if that gets you all to work together and to move forward mm. and to whatever the situation is i'm sure I have, I have no problem with it but i think a lot of times some folks are just uncomfortable because they want to be seen doing such a good job and the, the perfect mm. you don't have to worry about that the thing about this is that are you just getting better each and every day if you're okay with that i think everything will work out in the end yeah perfect is the enemy of good that's no, what I'm yes now i gotta tell myself that re- reminding myself that all the time so yeah <laughs> every morning every morning um cp i think we should bring this episode to a close uh it's been a it's been it's been a surprising turn talking about a lot of Capital One stuff, but I think it's uh, it needed to be spoken about. I'm seeing as you were featured on LinkedIn. Um, why not? Why not pick up, why not pick up that point? <laughs> I mean, I, again, of all things, I'd rather not it be that. Uh, <laughs> um, so closing thought, if you could be featured on LinkedIn for saying one thing, what is the thing you'd like to be featured for? Ooh, that is an excellent question. Okay, so 
if it was one thing, this actually is a quote that uh, I came across recently that has really resonated and stuck with me as I was preparing for this chat. And that was um, our ability to work together. That's our greatest strength, not individual excellence. And Beautiful. that was like, that is a freaking solid quote. Um, and I almost, I slightly considered it getting a tattoo of it. Um, and my wife was like, yeah, no, that's probably a little much. <laughs> and, and, and on that bombshell, we will, uh, we'll, we'll end the episode so I can say so Chris is actually going to show me. He, he did get the tattoos and show it to me in a minute. <laughs> And um, we'll be we'll we'll be joined again by CP, where we are going to pick up some conversations around uh, product and platform uh, because of the actual Arc XP and the environment you're working in is a fascinating one in my mind. So we'll delve deeper into that. CP, thank you so much for your time and being such an awesome, awesome guest. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I like it, sir. All, all good, man. All part of the service. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. And we will be back again at some point soon and that draws this episode to an end for those of you on the video you would have seen i waved my hand up in the air and for some strange abstract reason i'm not sure now cp is a fantastic human as i said at the top and he is joining us for another episode next week so do be sure to subscribe make sure that you get notifications on your podcast platform of choice so that you're notified of the second part of our conversation so thank you very much for listening thank you cp for coming on it's been a pleasure and we look forward to welcoming you back next week on the product agility podcast